Hey, what is up, headhunters, executive recruiters, uh, search for a owner, staffing professionals, and everybody else who happens to be listening, friends and family. First off, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, whatever you may celebrate, crazy Kwanzaa. Uh, but uh, this is the Headhunters Live. This is Dave <coughs> Patterson. You may know me as DSP. And to my uh, right here on the screen, we have Neil Levitz. Your uh, left, left. It's always hard. Left. Yeah, it's a, I'm, I'm opposite here. But from, right, but, but from the audience view, the right of me, yeah. exactly. the right of me, we have Neil Lebovitz, the beautiful man. He is, he is Jewish. He is, he, but he still knows that Santa still loves him. He still loves the chosen people. So you got Neil Lebovitz over right over here. That's me, David, you say that loosely because in the green room, uh, we were talking about all the festivities, what everyone's doing, David, beforehand, you know, for the prep for the show. It's like, everyone make sure to wear your hats. I'm like, hats? I, I don't have a drawer of Jew hats, Santa hats. Like, I just have, so I feel left out. I feel hurt. I feel uh, denigrated and besmirched. Santa How's still that? loves you, Neil. Santa loves you. <laughs> <laughs> And then we also have Chris uh, Wessel over here, this beautiful hunk of man meat right over here, uh, who was uh, our uh, our second, our other co-host. Dude, and, I just uh, spit up, I literally, thank you, I just spit up my soda on the man meat all over my screen. I was so close a long time, I spit it up, it just happened, I don't know if you saw it, all over my hands, that's hysterical, sorry. That's okay, that's uh, the show, with, that is that is the part of the live nature of I the show. I was not exactly and, uh, that. Speaking of speaking of lying, you can't control that like about? you used to now. <laughs> no, speaking of being alive, by the way, uh, we have a very special guest on today. It is it is um, Tom Alasio, uh, and and this topic for today is is really all going all going to be about the grit and the grind, especially when you first go independent, and uh, you've got to start your company with. Uh, no clients, no business, maybe a non-compete you're dealing with. Uh, and so how do uh, – and so Tom's going to share his story, and we'll probably share some of our stories as well as far as how we uh, uh, first created our businesses and the grit and the grind that we had to go through. And hopefully it gives some inspiration for you folks listening. So if you could do me a favor, if you're, if you're watching live right now, comment live so we can see that you're listening. We can make sure that you can hear us. And if you're watching the replay, comment replay so we can uh, see who's watching us. And lastly, if you like the show, if you hate the show, if you're like, eh, on the show, any, either way, give us some emotion, hit the like button, hit the uh, uh, hate button if that if it's more your style. Push, push it really, really hard so we, you can really show us how much you hate us. Um, anyway, with that being said, uh, let's talk about Tom a little before he gets here, before he uh, actually shows up here on the show. Uh, so so uh, this actually was Neil's idea to have Tom on. Uh, how do you know Tom, Neil? Well, so I know Tom the way probably a lot of people do is um, there's this guy that I started seeing in my group way back, uh, just helping people. Uh, giving tips, whatever. Started getting more and more visible. Uh, did, did lives in my group, so I'm doing some lives in yours for no reason, not promoting anything, just being a great guy, great recruiter. Uh, and he's just, uh, we just all known him. So I, um, uh, he has this round table he'll talk about, which is a regular show he does with everyone. Great topic. It's just, I, I just thought, you know what? Like we're talking about the grind and all that. I, so how do you know him? I'd say the same way through just seeing a really good. And everyone out. I don't know. How do you know? Well, you know, 
Yeah, they're from the groups, and they're just like certain people chime in on stuff, and you just know pretty quickly that they yeah. actually know what they're talking about, and they've actually yep. like done it. And the stuff they're talking about isn't just like hypothetically. You're like, yep, yep, that happens, right? So you see that, and uh, you know, you just got really active, and and that the roundtables he does are are a great feature of the group that that a lot of people get together on Fridays and met some pretty good people that way. Even a couple of people have collaborated on some some projects with so. Um, yeah, he's, he's had the chance to talk to a ton of recruiters in this group on a weekly basis. So I think he has a lot of great insights to share from all those conversations. And you want to hear a small world, right? Here's how, here's like six degrees of Kevin Bacon with Tom Lassie, right? It's, uh, I don't know if I'm mispronouncing his name. Sorry, Tom. But um, uh, Steve Finkel, right, as we know we had on the show was really big. My cold call timing was perfect timing because he was engaged. He wants to do it himself now, and he's already engaged with someone. Guess who that person was he was engaged with? Tom, unbeknownst to me. Tom, from my understanding, Tom, will get him on the show in a second. Tom introduced Ben Mana, who said, you got to, you want to do a show? And we'll give grill Tom. Why didn't he tell us to come on Headhunters Live? That's what, let's bring him on, David. But that's a deal. So from my understanding, he's the one that orchestrated this thing with Ben, made him open to it. Then we came in and I had no clue, right? So that's, hey, how do you know him, David? Let's bring him in. How do you know him? Same, Same way. way from the groups and from, from you um, as well. I chatted to him a few times. A really good guy. Has a lot of knowledge. Uh, and I like his, again, his his experience of figuring out a way, right? Because there are so many obstacles in the path for anybody in this business. Whether you work for somebody else or not, doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you know, we're in a very entrepreneurial type of business. And, um, uh, and it takes a certain sort of gunslinger eth- ethos. Just that 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 mindset of just making shit happen, and so that's what I like about Tom. Um, and, and the one thing I'll, thing I'll say about Tom as well before we bring him on, we're we'll run him in about two seconds, is that he was sport enough to actually wear a Christmas hat. Chris, you have no excuse. You have no excuse. Is it because you don't want to mess up that beautiful head of hair? Well, I mean, it takes a little while to get it like this, but uh, you know, I just I looked. I I, I wasn't reading our uh, little chat and uh and i before i looked on i jumped on i looked for the link and then i i saw you like oh we're all gonna wear christmas hats and i was like ah whoops um, so, oh, right. it, there is there is no excuse for me so yeah you need a <laughs> yeah. mold for your head right when you do your hair in the morning do you use a brush you just like put the product in, put a mold in it clamp it let it dry and set and come back that's what i'm thinking. it is a it is a process <laughs> and i'm teaching my four-year-old as well but also the other thing with santa hats is i have a you know you see neil i've got a giant head so like regular hats don't all they don't just sit like on top so there's there's that that's my your head is massive okay you're you're like max head live your presence for one you're you are man you're very handsome six foot two whatever a muscular but your head is massive brother like you're in the room <laughs> and now you're making it bigger let's let's get it in there i didn't know all right anyway oh there here he is. up his he lights up wow. about that. You know, so I, I thought you know you know the hanukkah song yeah don't kiss neil's ass he's not in that's not gonna get you anywhere we're getting a copyright strike, but that's okay. It's Christmas. Adam Sandler. Honest to God, think about it. My brother wrote in, we were like, there's no Jew. Like, there's a, a million Christmas movies. Not one Jewish movie. Name one. This is it. The only closest thing we have is Adam friggin' Sandler and the Hanukkah song, right? That's our claim to fame. 
good one. It's really? a good one. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. See, I, I get to experience both. So my my, my better half is Jewish. Uh, I'm Catholic, so I get to do Christmas. We do, we do some Hanukkah stuff as well. So we get to get the best of both worlds, which is which is which is nice. But but again, Santa loves you long. So I get all of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, well, uh, Thomas, let's. Uh, right. Well, well, I want to ask you this, Thomas. Um, I want to I want to have you introduce yourself to the audience. Uh, uh, let them know who you are, what you do, just uh, your 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 general backstory before we get into the um, how you started. Um, but before we do so, I do want to ask uh, you, Thomas. But you also go by Tom. But I notice you got a T H O M, and that's a that's pretty Tom. different. It's a different way. Yeah, like Tom so, again. Is that, is that something that you decided you wanted to be different, or is that more of like your parents? Uh, uh, when I was in high school, I wanted to be different, so I changed my name to THOM in, in uh, ninth grade. Okay. Was it anything to do with the English muffin, Thomas's? Thomas? Nope. Perhaps. It had to do that I was a big punk rocker, and I wanted to differentiate myself and be different and all that type of stuff, so I, I needed to be different. That, that was really, seriously, I was... You know, Sex Pistols, Minor Threat, Coercion to Conformity, the whole nine yards, the Mohawk, everything, and I needed to be different. So I, he was going yeah, to CBGB and all, all that stuff. So, yeah. so rebellious. Oh, man. My family, you were in such a wild yeah. and, and, and it drove my mom crazy because T-H-O-M-M-Y does not look right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, at, 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 uh, Mohawk. I'm trying to imagine what you look like with a Mohawk. Uh, well, I do appreciate. It looks a lot like his head, his headdress yeah. currently. It looks yeah. like that. <laughs> Can I just interrupt on an interesting thing? Since it's the holiday season, when we were talking yeah. about Thomas. By the way, you're such a wild kid. Putting an H in there, you wild boy. You're making it sound like I'm so wild. I'm so dependent. I put an H in my name, Thomas. Yeah. Ooh, you wild. Okay. Man. Hardcore. Yeah, I know you're wild. I don't want to take away from that. So anyway, Thomas's English muffins, the nooks and the crannies. So anyway, I was around over like last two weeks ago. I'm like, what the hell's a cranny? Do you guys know? We know what a nook is. A nook makes sense. It's a what's a cranny? Do you know? I found out. The crannies. No, crannies is the river flow, the nooks, the hole in it that holds the melted butter. There is a cranny, but you've never used the word cranny except for an English muffin. And nook and cranny together, Thomas has it. Now, that's a rebel, my friend. That is a rebel. Okay, that's all. Wow. Dropping the, the English muffin knowledge. That's pretty cool. I <laughs> that's actually where I'm Tom keeps all of his recruiting knowledge is in those nooks and crannies. Yeah, so we're going exactly. to dive into his nooks and crannies today oh, what's your differentiator <laughs> nooks and crannies where do you find your candidates in nooks and crannies my, my differentiator is books and trannies but whatever anyway <laughs> but david this is your show this, like this is the time we're supposed to lead to a topic <laughs> yes it is all right so tom Tell so, who are you? What do you do? <laughs> Tell us a bit about 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 your your backstory before getting into like how you actually started. But I've been a recruiter for twenty six years. I started um, September of nineteen ninety six, October nineteen ninety six, ninety seven. Sorry, nineteen ninety seven. I opened up my own firm in two thousand and eleven. Uh, I, I worked for a management recruiter's office for nine seven to eleven. So what? That's uh, fourteen years. Uh, was managing partner, headed up the construction civil engineering division for them, and then went off on my own. Uh, that office was a management recruiter's top 10 office, two years running. I was a top 50 account executive, five years. Um, we did $4 million with 12 recruiters. 
and then the, the economy imploded and my boss could not manage out of a recession. He didn't know how to. He could only manage when it, things were good and everybody left. I was the last recruiter in 97. I went off on my own and opened my firm in 2011 and have been doing this ever since. You know, um, I love it. I, I love giving back. That's why I do what I do. And, and all the groups you guys were talking earlier, I love helping other people. I love giving back. And I want to make the recruiting industry um, level up you know more of a relationship we want to be looked at like accountants and attorneys and not as used car salesmen so that's that's what i'm big about yeah, that's a good point. And, and, and I'll tell you what as well, Tom, uh, you may have noticed this, but when you when you teach other people, uh, it, it you know, they say those who can't, you can't do teach. And maybe that that applies in more of a university setting. But in the real world, uh, a lot of times when you train somebody on something, it actually makes you better at it, right? Because you, you have to think about how things, for example, the, the example I like to give is, is wrestling. Uh, I know a guy who was, who was a wrestler in college, and he was, he was, you know, uh, pretty high rank, but he said he didn't he didn't he didn't get really next level good until he spent a summer at a summer camp teaching wrestling to, to high school kids, and in that camp because he had to break things down in a way that he never had thought before, it actually made him miles better because he started teaching it. Have you noticed that when you start um, helping other recruiters, it really kind of ups your own game in a lot of ways? It, it does because I remember stuff that I forgot. If that makes sense, right? Yeah. So I'm trying to help someone. I start thinking about what did I used to do when I got into that situation. I don't get in that situation anymore, so I have to think back about what I what I used to do. And now I'm like, oh, I can I can apply that to this, or I can you know adjust it to this. You know, so yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, having to break things down the way we used to do it makes us better at what we do now. That yeah, forces you, right? If you, want, if you want to teach things the right way. Well, what about you know your, what your story? Not too. Oh, like, ahead, I, I so agree with that because people do say that all the time in the groups. And I was a trainer. Sometimes I take offense to it, right? Those who can't do. I'm like, well, yeah, in some cases. But to your point, it makes you so much better. Same with managing people, right? Because you can't mm -hmm. tell someone something as a trainer with credibility and not do it in front of them. Or you're yeah. so painfully aware. You can't talk, oh, ask open-ended questions. Ask open -ended, and then you do a close-ended one. So it managing people and working a desk, oh, my God, right to that point. All right? Yeah, it, 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 it exposes you pretty quick if you don't know what you're doing. Thomas and Chris are both super altruistic. That's what I love about it. Like, you guys are on here to share. To, no, seriously. We're just working help. for a living and trying to, you know, help each but, other. But you, there's nothing in it for you. There's no promotion ever. Even Thomas today is like, I don't need you. Don't mention my roundtable. It's your show. I'm like, well, whereas David and I, you know, we do it for our brand, for our marketing. We're sincere about it. But I'm just saying this is really amazing. So go. With that said, keep going. I love it. <laughs> Well, uh, Thomas, talk just about your about your start. Uh, you got a really cool story, and I want to want to just dive right into that because you said you you went on you started from 2011, that the firm you're at basically imploded, right? Uh, and so you went through a fairly nasty divorce, not not natural divorce, but divorce from your from MRI, right? Uh, yeah, tell us the story, man. I want to hear the the war story. I started like I said, 97. If you anybody knows anything about management recruiters, they're one of the I don't know if they're still the biggest. They're one of the biggest firms out there. They started in very big cities, right? You had recruiters in Tampa and Atlanta and Baltimore, and the non-competes were a hundred mile radius. And oftentimes, manager recruiters, and I've talked to Billy managers, I know two Billy managers I'm still friends with today, they would say, Hey, management recruiters probably knows they're gonna lose, but they would sue you to bankrupt you if you tried to leave, right? So that was their big thing. They did not want anyone leaving. So I signed, um, I signed up. The, uh, the, the non-competes at 100 miles. And I started with them in 97 when 
uh, on, uh, long distance was getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. And then we started to grow. We started having recruiters that were doing, you know, an industry, industry construction, electrical engineering, mechanical engineering, and everywhere. So when the new people came on, the managers thought, oh, we're going to get new non-competes. And it was industry specific. If you left, you couldn't work in that industry for one year. Well, I had never signed that. And so when I went to leave, there was a big argument over, well, you have to abide by the industry non-compete. I said, I never signed it. And they said, well, you signed a handbook. And I said, well, sue me. I don't care. You can't get blood from a rock. It was the middle of a recession, right? It was things were really bad. And I said, go ahead, try it. So I packed up all my stuff and I moved a thousand miles away because I didn't know anybody in Jacksonville. I was living in Vero Beach, Florida. A hundred miles would have been like Jacksonville or, or the Georgia border. And I moved all the way back where I'm originally from. Uh, slept on the couch in my brother-in-law's house, rented a little office, and started April 1st. Made my first deal April 15th for $17,800 with a company called, um, oh my God. Don't Insulated say it. Their phone's going to ring off the hook. Don't do it. Insulated <laughs> company in, uh, in Colorado, and the rest is history. That was it. That's 17.5. Because I only had, like, I, this is getting crazy. I had three horses, three kids. Two car payments, a house payment in, in Florida, a wife who didn't work, and uh, $9,000 in the bank. That was it. All the money I had in the world. I moved up here, and I, if I didn't make a placement in the first month, I was screwed. So I made a 17-5 placement, and I just kept pounding and pounding and pounding, moved my family up in June, July, because we went to July 4th in D.C., and the rest is history. Uh, going strong a, a gun to the head is very motivating, isn't that? How scared were you? How much was fear a motivator? Or, or you know, I, 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 I may sound strange, but I, I truly believe, you know, the the, the what's the with the trope, one hundred percent of the shots you never take. And I also believe in myself. I I will figure it out. I will never not figure it out. I will always make a place. There's I will always make a placement. I, I will if I have to. You know, going to a different industry. I knew that if, if once I was up there, I knew I'd make a placement. There was no fear because I know my abilities. I know that sounds very egotistical and strange, but I knew I may not have been able to. But that's mindset. That's yeah. mindset. That's fa failure is not an option. It's not delusional. Like, because sometimes people think they're going to succeed at something and they are delusional because they have no plan. But you knew oh, no. what needed to be oh, done. Yeah. And so in your mind, you're like, this is going to happen and I'm just going to keep going to what happens. But you also had the roadmap for like, I know how to do this. It's going to get done. Right. So, I mean, that's just, it's a mindset thing, not an ego thing, I think. And right, let me ask so My boss yeah. sent a letter to every single one of my clients that said, if you use Tom Alasio, you will be in breach of a contract and you could be sued by us. And two specific clients, one that I had like a, friend relationship with we would go out and get drunk and we'd go play golf or whatever sent a packet saying that i was cheating on my wife that i was uh being investigated for robbery that i was a drug addict and an alcoholic and all this stuff and not every single client laughed at it but two they were concerned because they were bigger companies but within a year they were doing business with me again so it did not work go ahead yeah. Well, look, look, Tom, at the end of the day, you being, you being a drug addict and an alcoholic and your wife, that doesn't make you a bad recruiter. In fact, probably makes you a better one. So, you know, uh, you're more motivated to make money. Well, I was asking, um, Tom, the fear, the fear is huge, right? And that's a big thing people can relate to. And it debilitates most people. And you had so much going on to add to that column, which is why I asked. And the second follow-up question, 
was why did you not do what most people do, which I think is a big mistake, is they're so scared and they figure, well, I can alleviate that by getting a partner. And partnerships are a whole other thing we have to have a show on because that's fraught with issues and they very often don't work, right? So well, you didn't do that. So, I mean, let's talk about all that too. Like, did you, like why did you do that? But he couldn't, he came on board and couldn't sit in his desk, right? So I do contribute, like, I, you know, he let me, when I was up there and he saw things were going, he let me like 15 grand the next month if I needed it. So he kind of helped me a little bit and was going to become a recruiter. And then he worked for a couple months and realized he couldn't, he was an amazing recruiter. He's absolutely amazing. Like, as good as me, he could have been as good as me. He couldn't sit in the desk. He, he hated being in an office. So he ended up. Interesting. So, so even you. So, but my point is, is like, we just work together and I Okay, yeah. Anyway, I, I'm going to turn it back to David, but I'm going to just say it's an interesting point because you, most people do that. There's an inherent, and I did too before I opened Boss. Okay, the reason Same I, was here. So late, I had one for ten years and a messy, messy right? partner divorce. Yeah. yeah, and and it's it's the easy angle because it feels like I could share the fear, the risk. I'm not in it alone. It just and then you take that plunge, and it's a mistake most of the time. Like, and so I didn't, I thought you didn't do it. Now you did, it didn't work. I didn't because I was scared. I, I didn't admit, I just didn't. Why? I'm Mr. Entrepreneur. If I work for a big company, like finally, I did it alone. I'm 100% owner and boss, but it took, it took COVID to force me to do it, right? So it's a big thing yeah. anyway. Yeah. Yeah, partners is like perceived safety and a lot of times it isn't but you're yeah you're basically and 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 you could get, get a great partner and you knock out of the park with 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 him or her and works out great but you know just equal the chance of it not working out because you know you know what i hear a lot and i've experienced it before is when let's say you know you're 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 with partners but then you don't set clear expectations or boundaries and then and then you feel like you're doing more of the work but you're only getting half of the money uh or you feel like they're kind of a drag on you or maybe you don't agree and especially if you're completely 50 50 you know you have to really know a person really well and having and have worked with them before in a partnership level to 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 do that but yeah w once you get to the point where you're more confident what you can do and and in business yeah i mean go on your own you know, partnerships really are, are really yeah. tough man. they'd be to great point, tough man, man, for sure. go for the right reason right do a partnership because your partner enhances your skill set you have to get chris's point too you have to have a plan what is there a strategic reason to partner they're good at this on not because i'm scared and i'm going to do it with someone which is why everyone does it right it is that's my point. yeah yeah, yeah. I, also, um, I think when you get a partner they have to be like you right like like i'm a different animal right i i usually don't work more than 30 hours any week right i i same people look at me like i don't i don't want to bill a million i don't need to bill a million dollars right if i work 45 50 hours a week i could probably bill a million i don't need that i like my family time i want to go do stuff i want time off so i want my weekends free so i would much rather you know not have a partner if i did have a partner he had to be just like me like hey i only work 30 hours together i'll you know we're on the same plane i don't want a partner it's like dude why aren't you here like well it's 10 o'clock i just woke up Right. Like I want if I was going to have a partner, they have to be like that. Mm -hmm. That's very true. You have to have similar work styles. And it's an interesting point you bring too up about like solos, like and the balance, because there are a lot of people who are like trying to just maximize their financial uh, input. Right. And they're basically like, I'll work all the time because I want to hit that number half a million, a million or whatever. But one of the reasons Tom and I get along well and talked often is I'm the same way. My wife is still astonished sometimes at the fact that that I don't take meetings before nine or after four, period, for years. And I bill hundreds of thousands a year 
and I could do more, but I also, I, I got my four-year-old, I got stuff I want to do. And I just, you know, I got other stuff I get involved in. And, you know, that's a choice you can make as an individual on how you're going to run things. And if you and your partner are not of the same mind on how that's going to be, that is, that is I, my firm. What are, the it was, odds? Oh, what are the odds of you being aligned with that partner when you both don't know what entrepreneurial is, you have all of these elements, you talk about a marriage, it, it is destined to fail, except when it doesn't, don't mm -hmm. look at those that work. Be strategic. And you can always get back on your way later. Okay. It's like getting married at like 20 when you don't know anything. Yeah. About you. You think each other exactly. is hot. You don't know anything about, you don't even know yourselves yet. It's the same thing with a partnership. You don't even know how you're going to be the first time you go out on your own. So I always thought that the fact that you didn't take any meetings after four before nine was, was, was because of the court order community service that didn't have anything to do with it. Well, no, it's actually more of a work release thing. So I have to be back to the okay. site in time and they don't have phones there and they're not the best internet. So it's a, a yeah. monitor. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. How much time is allocated to grooming, Chris? Grooming time. How much? In, well, that's, well, that's like, that's like are seven. You in the grooming or are you being the one being groomed? <laughs> oh, 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 sorry. He's got to hide that lobotomy part. That takes a long time. <laughs> it does, that, does, that does help with recruiting though. <laughs> uh, um, Hey, so, so, uh, um, uh, Tom, so I want to ask this. So, uh, obviously when you started your business, uh, I imagine you didn't spend months, uh, building your business plan, doing market analysis, uh, doing a bunch of research, talking to every friend about your, about your plan. You just went and did it. Um, and, and I, I always say that you learn how to start a business. I say that you, you, you learn how to start a business by starting a business. You don't learn how to start a business by thinking about it. You learn by doing it. So, um, but I want to ask, so for anybody who is going to go to independent, let's say, um, um, what lessons did you learn having gone independent like that and probably did it again, cause you were in a situation where you had a gun to the head. So you didn't have time to create this crazy business plan to figure it out or, or do that. You, you actually had to figure it out. What I'm a lessons? Man. I will tell you that I'm a great recruiter. I'm a bad businessman. So as, have yeah, that's... that can help you put together, um, how you know, an escort versus an LLC. Um, how when you're going to pay taxes? How are you going to do all the things? That was like my big my you know my negative is that I was not good at the back end business side of things. Like how like I didn't pay my I the checks came in I stuck them in the bank right and then that was it. You're a producer. Like, you're like, I yeah, sell everything. So it's hard to figure out how Slinger. to do what you need to do to, to run a successful business in the back end. Forget the production thing. It's like, how do I pay myself? What about benefits? What about retirement? What about this? What about that? And when stuff goes down, who's going to take care of it, right? So that's one of the things that, like, I got some recruiters working for me, and I run it more like a real estate agency because I understand the – now I understand the backhand stuff, so I can give that information to people versus trying to stumble along and do it. So, yeah, if, any, if I had anything, if I could go back, it would be starting as an S-Corp and getting someone in who could show me how to set the business up. So when the checks came in, I, I knew how to, you know, do all the stuff you need to do to have a W-2 and that type of stuff. Oh, I, I, I wish there was a back have office solution yeah. that one could outsource that to and not worry about it. That would be such a great business. Yeah, yeah, back off a solution for staffing. Back off promotion. I will say I will say that um uh and, and I'll, I'll go to my story a little bit because I think it's also relevant because I was uh, very, very much the same way. I started, I didn't know what I was doing at the time. I had no idea. I had to figure it out. Um, 
And I didn't. Um, do you want to finish chewing first? Dave? You want to finish your meal first? No, I, I, I've got I I've cough drops. I need. I, I'll oh, be doing oh, so the entire time. Okay. Yeah, I at least muted while I was eating my pretzel rods. Right. I'll try to do it. But but basically, so when I started, kind of long story short, but I started with no money. I, I, I burned through it all really quick because it, it took me about six months to make a placement because I went through, I think, eight or nine offers that were all turned down. Like it was just, it was just turned down, turned down, turned down, turned down, turned down. And I just felt like the universe was against me. So I finally made my first placement with a Valero Energy. It was an SAP FICO analyst for 27000 And it, it, I, I, uh, I'm waiting for the check because that's how they used to pay, pay bills back then is they used to write write money and sign it on a piece of paper and you take it to the bank. I still get Kids. a lot of those. Um, I still get, I got one last week. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I still have a frame by the way. So I, I got the check, finally got it. And then I, I realized um, I need to open up a bank account and and incorporate. So I I, I, I had incorporated a couple weeks earlier because I had never incorporated because I didn't have any money. I found the money to incorporate and then took the check, oh. went to the bank, opened up a business account and they said, oh, this looks kind of suspicious uh and um um and so they didn't take or they, they said they'd take the check but it'd be too much for me to see the funds and i and i made some commitments i needed the money right then so i went to amscott which is a check cashing place here in florida in a bad part of town and they gave me 10 grand in cash and the rest in in like i mean cash or checks and money orders or whatever paid me it took me 500 bucks to get a cash there um i was sweating bullets walking out because um it was a bad part of town and, and everybody saw me get 10 grand in cash and 17 grand in cash equivalent but i went back to my bank and said do you take cash here's some fucking cash and uh but that's how i started and obviously not the best way to start but this goes to show you that you can make a lot of mistakes but billing solves a lot so it's 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 if you, if you can go out on your own and just figure out a way to start billing get cash in the door solves a lot of problems you can do a lot of things with that but you know you don't need this big business plan you don't need any of that you just need to get out there and figure out a way to start billing that's that's that's, 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 that's and then you fine-tune it from there you fine-tune it from, fine -tune there. from there Fine-tuning from there. Exactly, exactly. But cash flow and, buys uh, you a lot of time. All, and all these people get paralyzed. Like, they want to get started, and they're like, should I be an LLC? Should I be an S-Corp? You should get some customers. Get a check yeah. in your hand and figure out how to do it. Like you so said, David, that's a perfect example. Like, get, wait till you, like, you have a check to deposit. And, like, then and you're like, because you're like, I have to create this entity because now they have to pay me, right? Like, it, it, like the paralysis Chris, you, you see. You say that all the time. I'm just saying, yeah. you say that all the time online to people, that your point, yeah. it's, all the time that comes up. You're right. Like it's just people, right? That's the 80, 20 that I bring out that famous book. Those are, but people spend business entrepreneurs make the mistake of spending 80% of their time on the BS all your time mm -hmm. and more than 80, but 80% has got to just get clients. When I should I spend bought, money on a website, my website sucks. I've no one ever looks at it. And like my website, I made it myself when I opened it. It was embarrassing. I just, I got so revenue. I got focused on the yeah. show. That was it. Go ahead. And no, you, Thomas, you're right. And you, we glossed over that. And Chris, we see it all the time in the groups. Anyway, yeah, great point, Chris. Well, I mean, look, at the end of the day, like things like a website and all kinds of stuff, it, it is important. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, if you're, if you're, because um, it does actually, uh, having a bad website can hinder you getting business because if people look you up and say, this person look legitimate um, and you don't, that, that can be a factor. So you definitely want to get a good website and do all those things to, to, for to to get that that look of legitimacy, legitimacy. But, yeah. 
Yeah, but but again, it's but at the end of the day, it's all about billions, getting clients, right? And so don't don't get all that stuff ready in at the cost of of working to get clients. That's the most important thing. Get some clients oh. and then do all the back end stuff to make everything work and make everything look pretty. But get clients. Yeah, go Thomas. I think it's different though between like Chris and I, for example, is we already had business. Thomas, right? can you move your mic a little closer? A couple of people have mentioned it's hard to hear you, and I'm I'm having it a little too. I just want to let you know that the people posted. Is that, that any better? Is that any not, better? Not over, not over. But uh, <laughs> it's not a big deal. We can hear you. Let's not stop the we show. Can hear you, just, okay. you can, don't worry. Don't worry. Okay. Uh oh, now we're gonna lose them. Is that better? I saw someone post yeah, about creating a business plan. I've never done a business plan. I've had a couple of businesses that build tons of money over many years. I never had a business plan. I never went okay, to a bank and borrowed money. Yeah, we can hear you. Um, Go ahead, Thomas. A business plan is only as good as the amount of coffee rings on it. If you got coffee rings on and it's dog-eared and used, it's a good business plan because you're using it. But if it's a business plan that is pristine and never cracked open once you write it, it's a shitty business plan. So yeah, what if it's all about power ring, What if it's digital? What if there's no such thing? I use it. Now that now looks like looks like our reindeer is back online. What were you gonna say? Yeah. Tom? So, what I was gonna say was when Chris and I started, we had business. So when I when I when I went off in 2011, all I do is pick the phone up and call every single one of my clients and go, hey, I'm off on my own. Do you have a search for me? Right. So That's true. that was a little different than if you're starting from scratch. And if you're gonna start from scratch, you know, you had think on uh, and his book, right? It tells you. This is how you figure out what are the best clients to go after. You need something as simple as that, right? Like these, this company hires five people a year from recruiters, so I'm going to call them every three to three months. And this company hires ten. Like that, that is something you need if you're going to start from scratch, right? You don't need a business plan. Any, that, you know, all, you need to figure out who you're going to call and get jobs from. Chris and I and one other guy, we already had that. Well, we know what else you need, and this is and this is something that I think a lot of people lose sight of. But this is when I first. Um, so I started staffing in 97, but I started with MRI. That's where I learned search in 2000. So, so I was also ex-MRI uh, in St. Pete. And, uh, and, and of course, the training then was basically, well, not the training, but, the, but the, the big metric more than anything else was phone time. It was a four hours. If you do four to five hours of phone time per day, like pure phone time, actually, actually in conversation with people every single day, the 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 saying was you'd make six figures. Just be on the phone, and good things will happen. Uh, because if you're not on the phone, things aren't happening. And I think that for someone who's starting out, if you don't have if you don't have any business, if you don't have anything else, the, the very best thing you do is figure out a way to don't worry about email automations. And I love email automations, but but don't figure all those all those bells and whistles. Figure out a way to get have some sort of carrot to get on the phone with decision makers in your niche and talking about the careers but is the best way to do it to do in career calls but get on the phone with as many decision makers stack your calendar all day every day every week and what's going to happen you'll kiss some frogs but you'll also come across opportunities either great candidates you could then market or conversely you talk to somebody who may not is you know really on the market but they want to build a relationship with the headhunter you press them enough to to flip the sale to flip it over to your sales call and maybe get their business but uh for new recruiters out there the number one thing you can do is go old school and just start clocking phone time with decision makers in your niche that is the best way to get get launched more than anything else and i think a lot of people forget that because we're so enamored with linkedin and email and all the different bells and whistles which are great but nothing replaces real conversations with real people who are making decisions to hiring in your niche.
bar none. But how that's can I send 10,000 more emails? That's what I want to know. Like, <laughs> now, now that said, though, now, now that said, though, I will say, you know, a lot of people talk shit about, you know, automation, email, and that those things are good to get those appointments. So it's a good tool to use. But, you know, but I remember the days when uh, veteran recruiters would 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 look down on email like if you're using email you're not a good recruiter you need to be on the phone constantly don't even send it don't even send a resume until you book the appointment the interview via phone to confirm it and then i also remember a time when recruit when veterans would look down the noses at recruiters who would lower themselves enough to post a job on a job board right i also remember a time when it when basically you can't put the relationship on linkedin no that's a flash in the pan like so so all those tools are great and we all use them now so don't discount those tools but just use all those tools as a way to get on the phone and in live conversations. So if, if, it, if it gets you to that point, then it's a great tool, right? Uh, but don't get too enamored with the tools, right? That's or what that's what I'm end up becoming old hat, right? I made hundreds of thousands of dollars on Monster and Career Builder at MRI and then early on, right? But now it's it's a waste of money. I've, I haven't used uh, anything like that in years, right? But, but I remember when it first was a big thing, oh my gosh, we were getting candidates left and right fees for 30 grand you run one out couldn't have lived without it for a while yeah and now it's 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 overused everybody figured it out started using it now we're moving on to the next big thing you know and i always always hear that oh my god this is going to kill recruiting no it's not it's going to make us a lot of money everybody's going to figure out about it and then we'll have to figure out something else we're talking about it'll kill you gotta do It'll so, kill it. Oh, they're right, though. You, Let me just say this, because I've heard that. All. They are right, not in the aggregate. It kills the people who suck at it that were riding on yes. the stuff. And you have the, to think will mention it on a thing. you got to find the solution for your client. We ain't going away as long as you fill a need for your client that they're not going to do, right? You know? Tom, earlier yeah. you were well, talking I mean, about The recruiting industry has died so many times at this point. You know, I'm, I'm, it's, it's, just, it's just in one ear, out the other. It's always we, died. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry, we're Chris, talking about the... We were talking about like the what you got to do and what you got to do. And I know Tom mentioned that, you know, he and I both, when we went on our own, we did have people we could call upon. But when Tom went to another market entirely where he didn't know anybody, like how did you, for the benefit of the listeners and, and they're, that are kind of getting started on their own, like what were some of the first things that you did? Like, and what were you spending most of your time doing to, to build up a name in a space where you didn't know anybody? And I've done that. So marketing and MTC or assumptive opening, right? Those are my two go-tos when someone says, how do you get clients, right? Uh, you, you, you find a, an MPC and we know what that is, the most placeable candidate, a rock star, and don't kid yourself, right? Do not kid yourself. Look at that candidate. Is someone gonna pay a $30,000, $20,000 fee for this guy or gal, right? Don't kid yourself, some schmo is you have to relocate all the way from Alaska, who's at 17 jobs, and you're gonna call clients about them? No, it has to be a candidate that you know someone will pay a fee for. So you can get that conversation going. Are you going to place that guy? It would be great, but the chances are you're not. You're going to get an ultimate job order. And the other one is in a market that's hot, right? Construction, healthcare, nursing, you know, you can do a sumptive opening, right? Hey, my name's Tom Alasio. You and I were spoken for. I'm a headhunter. I specialize in mechanical engineering. Um, we just got done a search for a, a carrier. We found a sales engineer for them. And while we were doing that search in Boston, we heard you guys were looking for a sales engineer as well. And then stop and wait. It's a great and, and it's gonna and it's gonna develop a conversation. And that's all you want to do. You have to be on the phone, talking to the client, letting them know I'm wonderful, I'm great, I'm in your niche, I can fill your position, use me. And then if it, they say no, you move on to the next one and the next one. And that's where it is. You're gonna get hung up on a hundred times. You have to make 101 calls. 
I could, I'm yep, just saying, my recruiting method when I was a trainer, you just summarized it and nailed I, what I would that if you just take that and everyone just what you just said. OK, I'll just say that what you just said. And Chris was reacting. We're all reacting. Exactly. That's well, it. And it's, you know what it does, too, is if you're talking in a market and Tom's point was important about it, it has to be something where there's a lot of activity. Right. Because if you call someone and you just pick a random company, you're like, hey, I heard you guys are hiring. You're going to sound like a fucking idiot. But if you are in a space that you know is busy and you know people are always hiring, they pick like nursing or something where there's always like a shortage that the person like if, if they say, oh, no, oh, no, we're not. And you're and you're like, oh, well, you know, just oh, that's unusual just because I know everyone in the space is hiring, et cetera, et cetera. Like you don't fall flat on your face. You can you can pivot, still sound like you know what you're talking about because because you do know there's hiring activity in that space. Like that's an important and, nuance, I think. And I'm going to add on to that. Not only that, but when you do what Thomas is talking about, your objection handling is a piece of cake. As long as you sound credible and you're not, listen, this isn't a Sony you know, a TV. They're not commodities. So if you believe that I have credibility, I'm telling you, I'm calling you about a person that happens to fit exactly what you have, it's your lucky day. Why would you not talk to that person? And it's contingency, and you only pay if you want to do it. It's a no-brainer, right, Thomas? Go. What is the, what is the thing I tell people is, what are they going to say to you when you make a more, uh, MDC call, right? They're only going to say yes, no, mate, whatever. That's it. What are you going to? They're not going to say I want pepperoni on my pizza. They're not going to say you know what, what's the weather today. No, they're going to say we don't pay fees, we don't have any openings. I'm not looking. I'm happy where I'm at. That's it, right? That's it. Okay. So you were ready. You have those rebuttals ready. That's it. Yes. This is not rocket science. Or my wife would say, this is not rocket surgery. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep in mind, too, when you market candidates, for, so for, for those folks, I know a lot of folks, when they look, when, they, when you hear about marketing candidates, they think, yeah, I hear you, but it doesn't work in my industry. I actually think the same thing in SAP, because SAP is so, like, fragmented. There's, I, I can uh, uh, place a FICO analyst with, with, uh, with, with, um, you know, I don't know, uh, AL or uh, a GL and AP and AR, I mean, COPA, and <laughs> it, it gets really, really granular. And and if I have somebody like that, just the company I'm calling, even if they need a FICO analyst, they probably need different skill sets and different areas within that realm. And so for me, it was always fragmented a bit. And so I always thought that NPC, NPCs or marketing candidates wouldn't work. And then what I realized was that um, – you know, if looking from the client's perspective, the prospect's perspective, they're getting bombarded with recruiters all saying, I find the best candidates. Got it. Everybody else saying it. Uh, well, we have the most experience. Got it. Everybody says it. Biggest network. Got it. Everybody says it. Uh, 20 experience in the business. Got it. Everybody says it. I mean, everybody says the same stuff all the time. But when you're showing up with a really high level candidate and saying, hey, I do all these things. Plus, here's proof. That's how you get the alternate job order because they oftentimes they say, "Well, I, I don't need that, but I do need a solution architect." Because you, it's an you example of your work. It's an example exactly. of the level that you operate. Exactly. You know, it's it's same thing if you're trying to if, if you're trying to impress uh, your a date on your first date is is it better to talk about your great car, great great job, great life, great and and how all the ventures that you take, or is it better to show the person through your actions and through the date or through your interaction what, what's what's more powerful, telling somebody? and bragging about it or showing somebody uh, and, and, and actually uh, uh, selling through your actions. And that's what MPCs or marketing candidates does. Yeah. You're actually let me put a bow on it, right? So if it's a holiday time, let me put a bow on it, okay? And this is why I love- The Jew is going to put the bow on the Christmas present. That's right. This is why I love what Thomas said. Because you can go something. out swinging, okay? If you sourced it, and that's the only way to do it in my mind, the way Thomas said. It's the only way I did it, the only way I taught it, what he just said. Go out swinging. I know you have a need. 
I know it's through an agency because I'm going to call you because you're using one of my competitors. I picked that above. I know it. I got all this. I disarmed you. I'm telling you I know it. I'm telling you I'm good. I'm introducing myself. And if you're not going to use me, I can say anything because you're already not going to use me. Go out swinging. I can get aggressive. I can do. I don't care. You're already saying I'm not going to use you. I got a need. What do I have to lose, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, man or glad. You're hard to I want to end the conversation with them mad at me or happy with me. I do not want to met, right? I want that right. guy to be like, that is a guy I want to use or that's an asshole, right? I, I say because yes, right? who cares if you're an asshole? I know you've got a need. I'm never going to use you. Stop talking. Okay, well, I'll try you another time where you're going to say the same thing. I don't give a shit. Hate me. But I'm not going to be nasty. I'm going to be like, dude, you're fees. nuts. You're nuts. Fantastic. You can say that, right? I'm your source. You don't pay fees. I got a source. When uh, when David when David was using an example of FICO or the SAP person, because it was like a a thought occurred to me as far as how you could so easily pivot and something like that. Now I hired in that space for a while too, so I know the lingo. But like you're talking about enterprise um, ERP system, et cetera. For those that don't know what that is, but but FICO analyst, which is the financing controlling module, that is core in every single SAP application. And SAP people in general are hard to find. So it's like, if you said, oh, I have a FICO analyst, I know you have an S- you're an SAP user, I know these people are hard to come by. And they're like, oh no, we're all set in that department. And you're like, okay, well, that makes sense. you know. But I figured I'd reach out because I know that that's a core in every SAP installation that's out there. But I know that SAP talent's hard to find. Like what other areas are you hurting in? Right, don't just like open-ended, get them talking. Like I know, are there other areas where, where you are like feeling a bit of a pinch or maybe a little shorthanded and it's just it's such there's so much opportunity if you pick someone that's actually marketable and you're talking to someone that you didn't just like hope is hiring and you have some idea what you're talking about like you can pivot those conversations so easily and show some market expertise and that you're not a one-trick pony because people who do a bad job of mpcing are making themselves a commodity because they're just chucking a, a, a name and they're hoping. Yeah. But some, if you use, yeah. if, if there's so much difference between that and doing it like with some planning and some strategy. Well, now, now, now when you're going after job leads too, it's just and, uh, one more point I want to make as well is that you know if you if you reach out, to, I say somebody post a job, obviously you're going to go after it. It's low hanging fruit. Why not? But the end of the day, realize that every other recruiter known to man is also they're like a horde of zombies. And they're just, they're just bombarding that client. And what happens is then it dies down because recruiters don't have staying power in their, their business development. They go to the next thing and the next thing, the next thing. But the smart recruiter, what they'll do is even if they get a no or they don't even get a response, that's Call fine. Them up. Stay, in, stay in the pocket. Yeah. At every couple of weeks, boom, every, you know, in two weeks and two weeks and two weeks and two weeks for up to 90, 120 days. Because what happens is for one recruiter, Recruiters don't stay in the pocket. Secondly, when you get a position open or when you get a, a new position with a client and you ask, well, how long has it been open? What do they generally say? Oh, for two months, we haven't found anybody yet. So we're going to open up to recruiters. Wait right? till there's it, It's pain. very, very common. Wait till there's yeah. pain. So, if you call them right away, they, they're hoping that 150 bucks they spent on a job posting is going to get them what they need. So if you call them it's two days after it's out there, they're like, yeah, I know you're going to charge me a bunch. I'm kind of hoping I could just spend a few hundred and get this done. You call the postings about their 30, 60 days. Those people are, uh, they're like, you know what? Maybe we do need some help. So yeah. Stay in that pocket. Create like a a tickler reminder over two weeks. Call XYZ company. company. Yeah. We don't have an opening for uh, an SAP guy. I say, I didn't call you because you had an opening. I didn't call you because I thought you had an Mm -hmm. opening. If you had an opening, you called me. I called you because I have a candidate. If you called me today and said, hey, can you find me this guy? It may take me months, and I got him now for you to talk to. It doesn't cost you anything to talk to him. Why wouldn't you want to talk to him, considering the fact that these are the, the hardest person to find? 
And I love what you just said there, by the way, Tony Robbins and Lefkowitz, Peter Lefkowitz also kind of trained on this concept. It's called bringing the objection into your pitch, what you just did. Uh, right, you get, Listen, I have no idea whether they have an opening or not. It's not why I'm calling here because they can't say I don't have an opening. You mentioned it before. You're disarming all their objections up front. That's what you keep doing. I'm just pointing it out to everyone, right? Yeah, it, it's 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 basics. Like Finkel said, classical selling skills apply to recruiting. That's what we learn to do. You take what you would do in any situation selling any other product or service, and you take the rebuttals, and you think about how am I going to overcome this objection of we don't pay fees, your fee's too high, we don't use recruiters, we don't have any openings, yada, 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 right? What are you going to say to that? That's what it goes back to. They're not going to say, I want pepperoni in my pizza. So you think about what are the objections you're going to hear? How are you going to overcome that objection? And do you have the thick skin to keep doing it till someone finally says, okay, yeah, you make sense. I want to talk to that SAP whatever thing that you said, because you're right. We do have a guy who's a fucking schmo, and I would love to fire him, but I'm afraid to because if I don't have someone to back him up, I'm screwed. It's simple as that. And also, and also be aggressive. I, I say be aggressive, uh, demonstrate your knowledge. One thing I always love to do, and this is a little bit of a, of a weird technique, but I always felt that it put me in a really good position as a knowledgeable, uh, um, a knowledgeable recruiter who knows everything in the market is when it's pretty easy to find out if there's a position open and you know another firm's working on it. It's pretty easy to tell because most recruiters just copy the job hosting and repost it. So it's really easy to find out. And I would actually use the name of the company in my, I'd, I'd call, email, whatever, but I'd actually say, oh, and I heard you're working with XYZ company. I love doing that because one, it shows an amazing amount of confidence just to say their name and they're already using them anyway. It's not like I'm giving them ideas on who to use, um, but I just want to demonstrate that I kind of, I, I know the players. And, and I'm not afraid to, to say their name. That's, that's, that, so that's one thing. So, you know, being aggressive like that, uh, you don't have to play this game of I heard through my shadowy network. You can quite literally say, hey, I happen to see that you're looking for blank. And I know that McGee Resources or whatever resources are, is, is looking for the same uh, is you're working with them because they post the exact same position on the exact same job board that you're on. I, anyway, I see that a lot. You see that a lot. I'll give a tip that I have been. It's called my ambulance chasing. You go on Sales Navigator, you search people who switched jobs in the last year, right? I'm sorry, in the last 90 days, but have been at the company for less than a year, right? So anybody who switched jobs in the last 90 days and has been at the company for less than a year, that'll take all the people who got promoted out, right? It's going to be people who switched companies. Then you look at you look at who you, you used to work for, right? So you do SAP whatever's, right? And you go, okay, he left. Google to go to Amazon, you call the guy at Google and say, hey, I heard Tim Wessel just left, you, you know, did you, did you fill the position yet? And they're like, what? You know Tim left? Yeah, he went to, to, to Amazon. I can't believe he left Google to go to Amazon. You, you want to talk about instant credibility, you're talking to a guy, you tell them who quit his company and where they went to work. That's instant credibility. Yep, yep, 100%. And it's not and hard, hard to figure out at all. Further, no. If you want to take it even further, and this is this is definitely not for the weak, or not for the faint of heart, Let's say you do make a placement and you pull somebody out of a company. Call why not call the company and tell them that you were the person that took them out? I mean, why not? You're being honest. You're not being mean. It's part of business. Um, that's a great opportunity to make an impact. They may not like it. They may get kind of pissed off, but I want to remember. I, I had, sorry. Right? I was say, I had a search where not long ago where a guy that I placed maybe like a year or so ago was having drinks with his old boss and that old boss is hiring for a role. And the two of them were, were having cocktails or whatever. And they're like, we got to fill this one position. And uh, he was like, who's, who got you to leave? 
who's the person who got you to leave my company? And he's like, oh, yeah, it's this guy, Chris, blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh, maybe I should talk to him. And so then that guy that I placed also gave me a heads up. He's like, by the way, my old boss is going to be calling you. Um, but, like, he's not pissed. Like, he needs you to find someone. But, like, he figures if anybody can do it, you know, if you could pull me out of there. So, like, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it can – if you handle it properly – you know, yeah, you, you need can, to have some, some, some nuance there. For some sure. tact and some nuance. But don't be afraid. To, don't be afraid. To, I mean, don't 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 act as if you're ashamed because there's no shame in our business. So this is this is this is we're not we're not poaching people. We're not it's, stealing people. We're giving them opportunities. And, and especially if, if the they person who's us there, twice. Sorry, if anybody, if you're the one who helped them exit, and that person felt like they had a really good experience with you. Like I, I'll say, like they go back to their boss and say, "Hey, listen, you know, it, it was a great opportunity. I couldn't pass it up." But listen, the recruiter that I worked with was very professional. You know, was a great communicator, et cetera, et cetera. So, like, if you're going to work with anybody to to backfill me, like, you know, maybe you should talk to this person. Like, and if you talk to the candidate about, hey, like, hey, would you bring this up? Like, do you think that that would be, you know, do you think that that would be a conversation you could have? Like, you're basically getting them to give you a referral. <laughs> like, so. Okay, so in the interest of time, you mentioned Finkel. I was curious, Tom, how did that, you were speaking to him, right? Did I understand that right? You, Your name came up with Finkel. How did you get, how were you involved in him and all that? And why did you not refer him to our show? I'm just kidding on the latter part, but what's the deal? And then let your your round table for everyone before they leave. Okay. So, yeah. Okay, so real quick. If someone's typing in, we can check out the link to the groups. That's real simple, right? 1230 round table every Friday. The link's in all different groups. You can, Or just email me or text me. My number is 772-532-9785. Also, if you want help, anytime after 4 o'clock, I will help anybody. But, but the, you know, that's my time to give back. So after 4 o'clock... You're Tom, gonna are you broadcasting in our groups? Because I'd like you to. Feel free. You have carte blanche to broadcast a roundtable each time, you, right? You, make sure your you group know. doesn't allow links anymore, so... Oh, no, we'll allow you. We'll, okay. We could turn that off if that's... If it's if so, automatically turning it off, we'll allow you to do yeah, that, of course. Okay. So Finkel... Okay, reach out to Chris Finkel actually spoke at my management recruiter's office. My boss paid for him to come. But we were big Finkel people. Oh. We had all his books... We had his book more business video series, and so we we contribute. When I worked for manager recruiters at that, that particular office, it was a franchise office, right? Peterson Consulting Group. You know, Finkel did. I, I still say Finkel is why I'm as successful as I am. So when he spoke, I got a I, I got a picture with him. I'm trying to find it before I came on. So when Ben um, and did the video with me or the the, the interview, he asked me, do you know? I go, you know what? You need to get Finkel on. And Finkel and I have conversations every now and then because I bought his stuff and he, you know, he's, I don't know, we just talk occasionally. So I called him and said, hey, man, would you be interested in this? And he's like, well, I don't know about, like, no, it'll be great. And, and yeah, so, and the reason I didn't for you guys is because I, I didn't even think to, like, because Ben had asked me, hey, can you recommend somebody, right? I also got him Jeff K from K Bassman International, I think, is going to do an interview as well. So. Oh, yeah. Guys, do we have him, David? You were going to talk to him. Do we, we oh, should no, I already talked over Let's Christmas. Yeah, I, I need Reach to. out to him after the show. Jeff yeah. will be amazing. Gonna, gonna, yeah, yeah he'll be, well, be great, great guest. Like, hey, be great guest. Okay? Yeah, Jeff and I are gr- yeah. very close. I used to oh, train Jeff, with well, him. Like, yeah. yeah, amazing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, Todd Dawson, too. Uh, if you know Todd mm-hmm. from uh, Omaha. Todd Dawson. Todd Dawson, D-A-W-S-O-N. No, I don't know that. What is he? 
Oh, that's great. He, runs, he runs a, a big. It, the, remember when Managed Recruiters uh, sold off all those franchises? He runs one of the, um, or sold off all the company offices. I think he runs a big company office out of Nebraska. He's cool. Managed Recruiters on off. So yeah. Cool. And I, David, I where do they get your beautiful stuff that has great packages that summarizes this? You have Christmas specials for the kids out there, stocking stuffers. What do you got, David? Well, uh, so first off, I would say if anybody's interested in a back office staffing solution, right, that's Neil's company, um, uh, you can go to backofficenow.com. You'll see the website right there on the screen. Uh, for me, uh, for those folks who don't know me, I help deploy sales and marketing systems for search firms, and we can do a complete build for you in 30 days with a 90-day ROI guarantee. Go to realdsp.me forward slash build for all the details. The book call and one last thing uh i do have a another off facebook group or off flake book group called the headhunters syndicate uh we're starting to put a lot of exclusive content just in there it's uh it's uh i'm a i'm a big free speech advocate we don't censor we don't say your data you can say all the naughty words you want as long as you keep these relatively respectful and you can also discuss ideas that go against the narrative if you will so go to realdsp.me forward slash syndicate it's free sign up there and uh love to see you there so uh that said i think that's about it folks uh tom really appreciate you being on man it was great to have you great to hear your story the honor and i really appreciate it i have mad respect for three of you you know you 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 bring a lot to the table and you you definitely add to the community it's fantastic Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, I, I t- thank you very much. And I tell you, you what, your stories like yours is, is great because there's a lot, there's lots of guys out there who, who don't think they can do it. The cards stacked against them or a, with, with the economy being well, having seen better days, maybe not, now's not the right time. And it just like you showed it in, in your story. It's all about the, do you have a gun to the head and are you willing to get down dirty and do the work and have the grit? And if you can do that, you don't have to be the smartest cat cat in the world you don't have to be the best looking guy in the world you just got to have perseverance and see it through and outwork your competition if you do that the sky's the limit bottom line amen 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 all right folks that said thank you everybody appreciate it again if you're watching live comment live if you're watching the replay comment replay show us some love share it please everybody watching the share it right now this show would be amazingly huge so please share it and with that said uh we will see you next week merry christmas happy hanukkah crazy kwanzaa whatever you guys celebrate Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. Happy Festivus.